Hi guys, welcome back to the Everything College Bowl podcast. Today we're going to be breaking down the New Year's Six games that includes the playoff matchups we have. Uh, we have a nice slate of games. Uh, we're going to jump into the Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma and Florida. They've only met once prior, and that was the 2009 National Championship won by Florida. Um, two key departures are Oklahoma's Trey Brown and Kyle Pitts for Florida. They're both out for this game. Uh, what kind of impact do you think that's going to have, Rowdy? And who do you think uh, loses more? Uh, well, that's definitely Florida. Kyle Pitts is – I was having this discussion last night with one of my buddies that Kyle Pitts might be one of the best tight end prospects I personally have ever seen. Granted, I'm a young guy. I haven't seen a whole lot of guys in the older ages. But in recent memory, I mean, there's not a lot of guys that you can line up on the outside like Pitts and him uh, get beat somebody deep. Uh, Trey Brown, I mean, that's nice because, you know, Pitts is going to be out. I guess it cancels it out with Trey Brown for Oklahoma. That's not going to be good considering their secondary is it, – It's we touched on it on the last one. It's improved, but it's still it's still a liability. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma's secondary, that kind of collapsed in the second half, gave up a number of big drives, the, the, you know, Iowa State in that second half, as did their offense. You know, I don't think that's going to – I don't think that's going to stick. I think Oklahoma's going to have a much better matchup against a Florida mm-hmm. defense that was just – you know, torched by Alabama, 600 yards. It's kind of what we expected, but they almost gave up 60 points. And, you know, this kind of, you know, this offense is also quite versatile. Yeah, uh, that's that's where I have Florida messing up. I don't think Florida will lose this game, but I do think that if they're if they were to lose, it will mostly be on the defense, just like it was against Alabama, because Kyle Trask, he had an amazing game. And I I think he'll also have another field day against the OU secondary, but I think, if anything, this has the potential to be more of a shootout than a blowout in Florida's favor, but that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, and Dan Mullen, he implemented some QB run from Trask. We hadn't seen that all year, and that really helped the Florida rushing attack. You know, he ended the game with Mm -hmm. zero zero yards because of sacks, but that really helped. I think we're going to have to see some more of that, but I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball, especially against this stout uh, Oklahoma front. Yeah, I, I agree. And you said that it helped uh, the Trask and the QB runs. They helped, and we were talking about that in the last podcast. <clears throat> Florida, it, they've struggled to run the ball, and that's that's one thing that Oklahoma needs to do is continuously make sure to force Florida to be one-dimensional. Although that dimension may be their best facet offensively, it's still something that they need to contain the run and force to be strictly pass. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma, they ranked third in rush defense. They looked, you know, pretty good against Brees Hall and Iowa State on Saturday or mm-hmm. last Saturday, you know, so I don't think, you know, I think the same sticks. Trask is going to have to, you know, pretty much carry this offense. And without Pitts, that's just going to be too much to overcome. They've still got, you know, Trevon Grimes. He had an amazing grab over Patrick Sertan, in my opinion. I don't know if he was a sports center top ten, but that, that was an amazing grab. Uh, a few other guys out there other than Pitts that I don't think Florida should be too worried, although – uh, you can expect Keon Zipper to possibly get some more reps. Uh, he's one of their uh, commits back from 2019. He's a four-star guy. So I think if Keon can fill in there, then I, I think Florida offensively will be fine. Yeah, having that dimension from your offense down the middle of the field, it's just, you know, that's a big loss. You know, I think they can overcome it, though. They have plenty of depth, not exactly a tight end, but at receiver. They have plenty of guys they can dish it out to. But I think they're gonna it's going to hurt with effectiveness, you know, in the passing game just a little bit. Yeah, I think it'll 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 do some, but I don't think it'll be enough to you know have Oklahoma win against Florida. Yeah, you know, um, Oklahoma, they you know their defense three sacks, three picks against Iowa State. Brock Purdy didn't make a lot of great decisions, but you know, nonetheless, they came down with three interceptions. You know, mm-hmm. um, they had some good balance on offense, you know, until that second half. They only had three points, but the return of Stevenson it continues to bolster the offense. Rattler continues to just impress, you know. Um, 
I think we're going to see a lot of points in this. I think we're going to see some good defensive plays as well. Both teams rank top top six nationally in sacks. So I think we're going to see some good plays on both sides of the ball. But um, you know, I got Oklahoma thirty eight thirty five. How do you how do you uh, view your prediction? Well, you know, I'm a fan of Oklahoma, but I'm going to go I'm going to go Florida here uh, forty two. Oklahoma 34. Yeah, I think we're both, you know, pretty content with this being a shootout, you know. So, um, yeah, that's that's our pick on that one. Um, moving to the Sugar Bowl, Cincinnati and Georgia. They've only played twice in history, 1942 and 1976. So, you know, we haven't seen these teams, you know, play in, you know, 60-some years or whatever. But Cincinnati has a real elite defense. They've only given up 310 yards per game. They held Army, Memphis, and SMU all in check, you know, less than 320 yards each. And UCF also struggles. So, you know, how, how do you see this defense against a good Georgia offense? I see them struggling definitely because of the uh, competition standpoint. They haven't played anybody like uh, Georgia's quarterback. They haven't played anybody like their receiver trio of uh, Jackson, Burton, and Pickens. Uh, I don't think they'll be horrible, but that's definitely something that they're going to be tested on, especially their secondary, uh, the run game. Uh, James Cook needs to get a little bit more active. But I think their defense – I think they're a strong defense, and I'm looking forward to see how they do against the SEC powerhouse, uh, Georgia. Yeah, for sure. In this defense, they're ready to welcome the challenge. It's a veteran unit. They had 16 interceptions last year. They lead their, their second this year. They're 15th in pass defense. And, you know, they um, held UCF to 359 yards on 84 plays. And they've been up to the challenge every single game they've played mm-hmm. this year. The Georgia defense, though, is just a different challenge, mainly because of the rise in talent. You know, they've almost, they're averaging almost 500 yards a game and 42 points with JT Daniels since he's took over. And that also allows them to run the ball. You know, the, the balance has just been, it's really impressive. And it's, it's unfortunate we haven't been able to see it all season long, but right now it's really tough to contain. Yeah, if and you know you you alluded to it since JT has or uh, yeah JT Daniels has been the quarterback, they've looked like an entirely different team. So it'd be it's kind of hard to say, hey, where would this Georgia be or this Georgia team be at if JT was there from the beginning? But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the other guy take his snaps for Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter. I think Ritter is going to be he's a little bit different than what some uh, of Georgia have seen this year. I don't, I think he's one of the most uh, elusive quarterbacks they'll play this year. And I, I'm looking forward to see how he can handle a top secondary of against uh, Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes. Yeah. Because those are both very good corners. Yeah. You know, for sure. Desmond Ritter, you know, the question is, can he deliver the same consistency versus this Georgia defense? Cause the offense runs through him. He accounts for over 300 yards a game. He's a very effective mm-hmm. runner has 600 plus yards on the ground and 12 scores. You know, it, the offense really starts and ends with him, you know, and how he will perform in this game is really going to decide this one. I, I agree with you there. And and like I said, if he if he can manipulate the, the Georgia secondary, because they're they're very good, but they can also have very lackluster moments. I think Ritter, if he has a good game against Georgia, this will not only prove that Cincinnati is could be here to stay as a non power five. You know, they could be better than UCF, in my God's honest opinion. Uh, but Ritter, it could also help his draft stock. And, and I don't know if he'll declare this year or if he's eligible, but uh, in the next coming years, he will probably see his draft stock rise. Yeah, you know, and the touch on what you said about the Georgia secondary, you know, M- you know, MSU had 300 plus a few weeks ago. You know, the Georgia secondary hasn't been, you know, great. It's kind of struggled this season, you know. So, I mean, I think I think the Cincinnati offense, they're going to have more success than people will think because, I mean, Georgia's ranked first for the second year in a row in rushing defense. And Cincinnati's built to run the ball, 225 yards a game. You know, that's their identities. They run the ball. But I think they're going to, you know, have some, you know, 
they're going to have some success with the misdirection, some sweeps. The QB run is a big part of their offense. I think they're going to, you know, have, you know, 100, 150 yards running the ball, which, you know, allows them to open it up a little bit and find their targets downfield. Since he's a, since he's a fast-paced team and Georgia is more of the uh, ground and pound, or defensively they're more of a, uh, you know, wrap them up. I don't think they're going to be as fast sideline to sideline as since he will. But like like you said, Georgia's got the number one run defense like they have the past two years. They've always been very stout up front. So we'll see if they can shut it down. Then I'll be looking forward to see what Ritter can do in a one-dimensional offense. Yeah, you know, that's going to be something fun to watch. You know, I think another thing that's going to be something to watch is, you know, against JT Daniels. I think it's the best one he's going to have played at, during his time at Georgia. You know, Kobe Bryant, Ahmad Gardner, Derek Forrest, they're all playmakers, you know. You also have – Myjah Sanders coming off the edge. You know, I went to high school with him, a long, lengthy guy, always making plays in the backfield. I think this defense can come, and I think they're going to come to play, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Georgia, like you said, defense, that's one of their main – that's what they've been known for over the past few years. Their offense has struggled, but with JT Daniels now at the helm, they have looked like an entirely different team. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm a root for Cincinnati in this game. You know, I'm picking Georgia 24-20 because, I, you know, I think the Cincinnati offense, they're going to face some challenges. I do think they're going to have more success than people think, but, you know, scoring points, especially down in the red zone, is going to be a bit of a challenge. So, you know, I'm going to go with Georgia, you know, 24-20. I'm going to go Georgia. I, I'm going to go 21-17, or excuse me, 31-17. Yeah, you know, I don't know if this will be a blowout or not, because Cincinnati, they haven't, you know, they did good against their competition, but, you know, this is a, an elite rise, you know, in competition. Yeah. A big challenge for them and Luke Fickle. They played Ohio State two years ago, and they got beat 42 nothing. so, you know, they, I don't know if that's still fresh in their minds. You know, I don't know if we'll still see the same result. You know, it was a while ago, but you know, I think this is gonna be a great game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. All right, so next we move to the playoff in Dallas. You know, um, this game was moved from Pasadena to Arlington due to COVID restrictions. They'll be playing at AT&T Stadium, Alabama at AT&T Stadium. They just seem to, have to just beat people down there. Yeah, they 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 like that place. They they do like uh, Jerry's World. So, but like you said, starting with Alabama. Um, I mean, there's, there's not a whole much to say. There's not a whole lot to say there. Uh, but mostly offensively, they are going to have fun. I think they're going to have fun offensively. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, their defense hasn't been. It, it, it struggled against Clemson. You know, it's really struggled against the Clemson twice. You know, to defend the pass. You know, they looked better against Boston College and US UNC. But the Bama attack. You know, they're 350 yards a game through the air, and you know. If you're capable of slowing down Harris, which they are, you know, and Leonard Dickerson is out, or he's not expected to play, rather, you know, you maybe you can gain an edge on the interior. You know, they're going to have to sell out, slow down the run, because that's the best chance to slow down the pass, in my opinion. Yeah, and Indy is a run-first team. Uh, they have really good – I mean, Kyron Williams. Can Alabama contain Kyron Williams? We'll see. But Kyron is – he's been a great player for Notre Dame, and it's all going to come down – to like if Alabama can contain the run. And I think it can be the same thing, vice versa, for Notre Dame because Notre Dame has a good run defense. Are they going to contain Najee? Will it matter if they can contain Najee Harris because they've got Matt Jones and they've got a stellar wide receiver core? There's a lot of different ways that this game could go, but I think they're all going to go in Alabama's favor. Yeah, you know, in Notre Dame, I think they're well, the one edge they really have is up front on the offensive line. It's been a great, you know, great unit for them this year. They're really going to have to – put the ball behind them and try to move the ball, you know, running. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know if they can, you know, Alabama, they got shredded against Florida against the pass, but Ian book in this offense isn't exactly built. Just throw for 400 yards. Yeah. I don't see Ian book throwing 400 yards. I mean, I'm not saying that he can't do it because I'm, I like Ian book. I think he's progressed really well at Notre Dame. 
I don't think he's going to be the guy to throw 400 yards, especially on Alabama. That's more of a guy like Kyle Trask, and he did that. I mean, we, we saw what he did. He had a great game, and I think he uh, could, book book could um, exploit the Alabama corners just like Trask and the Florida wide receivers did, especially because Notre Dame has so many big-bodied wide receivers. Yeah, you know, um, I think Notre Dame's going to do better on offense than people think. You know, I think they're, they're going to have some balance and stuff. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, they got shredded for you know, almost 600 yards against Clemson. And, you know, what – I mean, ba- the balance really hurt them. And Alabama, they bring plenty of that to the table. Yeah, there's – and another mismatch I, I could say is uh, Notre Dame. They have a really good uh, tight end. I think it's Michael Meyer or Michael Mayer. He's, he's really good. Uh, I think Alabama did pretty decent of containing Pitts. I uh, wasn't able to watch the uh, entire game, so I could be wrong on that. But uh, I think I'm looking forward to see how Michael Meyer does, or Mayer, excuse me for butchering his name. But I'm looking forward to see how he can do, especially because he's a younger tight end. See how he can do against an SEC caliber defense. Yeah, you know, uh, Kyle Pitts actually ended up having like a 120 plus yards. Okay. And the Notre Dame tight ends—they're you know really good. They're not you know they don't have the same skill set as Pitts, but these guys are tough. They can catch the ball. They can block. They're extraordinary at doing that. So, you know, I think it's a really good offense. People just think this is just going to be a blowout. I think we can actually learn, continue to learn more about Alabama, especially after their defense, you know, was torched in the last game. Yeah. Well, Dalton, uh, you say some people think it's going to be a blowout. I am in that boat. I'm going to go with Alabama uh, 45, Notre Dame 15. Yeah, you know, I think I think Notre Dame can. I you know I keep saying I think Notre Dame can keep it closer because when they play the brand of football that they want to play, they can you know they can beat anybody. But you know I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. You know Alabama, I'll take them. You know fifty four twenty eight. Sounds like moving. Moving along to the Fiesta Bowl, you know Oregon Iowa State. Uh, there isn't much on this game, I don't think. You know Oregon's offense really struggled against USC. They had three short fields that really assisted them. They only had two hundred forty three yards for the game. They're playing a much tougher defense. You know, how do you see this game going? Uh, I see it going in Oregon's favor. Uh, I saw Iowa State not play good, <clears throat> really, at all and at a lot of times against Oklahoma. And I think if they keep those same woes up against Oregon, they're going to be in a they're going to be in a pickle because Oregon's got a great offense or excuse me a great defense. Uh, their offense is sporadic, and that could be what finds Oregon in trouble. Yeah, you know, I don't want people to, you know, jump the gun on Oregon's defense. You know, Kavon was unblockable, and I think Matt Campbell's going to have a plan in place to sort of contain him, you know. And um, they they they, um, they didn't they did good against USC, but USC, they con- kind of continued the trend of, you know, not playing their best ball all season long. <laughs> and, you know, Oregon's defense has been torched by balance this season, and Iowa State brings plenty of that to the table, and I think that's really just the deciding factor. You know, I don't want people to overlook the entire season just on the USC game right. team that just throws the ball and didn't have their best performance through the air. I think the balance is just going to be too much for them in this game. Yeah, and, and, and Tyler Shaw needs to be better because he had a few turnovers against USC, and I, I don't think he can tolerate those against Iowa State because Iowa State can and will uh, convert on those turnovers, and that, that could be an issue for Tyler Shaw as he hasn't really looked great all season. Yeah, for sure. You know, the offense, uh, I mean, they had plenty of favorites in that USC game. They're playing a much tougher defense, in my opinion, front seven-wise, you know. So I think, you know, I have Iowa State 31-20 in this one. I just don't think the Oregon offense is really going to be able to manufacture any consistency. I'm going to go uh, Oregon in a close one. I'm going to go 23-20 in this one. 23-20, uh, I think a defensive battle would be nice. That'd be You don't really see many of those in college football nowadays. Yeah, exactly, especially this year. Yeah, uh, we moved to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, 
Oh, Iowa State, they kind of just uh, got down with a, def- a bit of a defensive battle. You know, they torched Northwestern on the ground for, you know, Trey Sermon had 331 yards or something like that, you know, against a really good front seven of Northwestern. So that was kind of impressive. Do you see the same carrying over against Clemson? With um, Ohio State? Yeah. I, I don't know because Ohio State's run game has been kind of uh, inefficient. Um, I, I don't know. We'll – We'll see, though. I, I think mostly with the biggest deal with Ohio State, it, it centers around Justin Fields. He needs to be efficient, like, I mean, efficient, because he has not been efficient the past few games. Yeah, you know, Ohio State, their defense kind of got bailed out by some mistakes by Northwestern. They're, that's not a very good offense, and they just continued going up and down the field. They didn't have the points to show for it, but they they really hurt that defense. You know, um, Justin Fields, yeah, he really has struggled last three three games. It doesn't really concern me because we know he's capable, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting Chris Olive back is – that's a big help, but um, the conversation is over on OSU if, like, if OSU deserves a spot or not because we kind of feel that they can play with anybody, especially on offense. I think Ohio State, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, they are my national champion. I'm, that's who I'm projecting to win. I think Justin Fields uh, is going to – because I think this is a team that is pissed off about last year because they've got a lot of guys. Justin Fields, you know, he is probably the biggest guy that is frustrated because a lot of fingers were pointed at him whenever they lost against Clemson last year. So I think uh, the offense has – everyone on Ohio State needs to be top-notch. They need to be ready to go because Clemson's going to be ready. Uh, they hear the talk about uh, – they hear the talk from Dabo Sweeney thinking that they shouldn't be in there. But I think we'll see if either the talk is Dabo's going to get silenced or he's just going to keep talking and prove his point. Yeah, do you know, I sort of feel some bad blood in this. You know, Dabo ranked Ohio State 11th in the coaches' poll, you know, and that's, I mean, that, that just, I kind of, that signals, I think, some bad blood here, and I think Clemson's going to want to go want to go out and prove a statement. You know, Ohio State feels the same way because, you know, they hear the chatter as well that they don't belong here and all this and that, you know. Um, what exactly, uh, if you're leaning Ohio State, what exactly would you be looking for that gives them the edge over Clemson? <sighs> I don't know because Clemson, they're they're not easy to beat. Um, in, in a lot of facets, uh, I'm going to go, honestly, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go front seven. I, I think Ohio state's front seven needs to be efficient and they need to be, they need to contain ETN or whoever is in the backfield. They need to watch for the short and intermediate routes, uh, cause Trevor Lawrence and, and they need to watch for Trevor Lawrence as well. Trevor Lawrence showed an entire, entirely different facet of his game in the playoffs last year where, uh, you know, he ran for over about 100 yards. No, I mean, everyone was like, oh, they co- okay, okay, Trevor, he, he can run the ball a little bit. You know, I mean, he was running stride for stride with a lot of some of the fastest guys in, that Ohio State has. And uh, I think this game is going to get a little chippy. That's that's what I think. I think this game is going to get really chippy between both teams. And that is a uh, – that's going to definitely happen. Yeah, for sure. You know, Ohio State, their defensive line, the safety, you know, the safeties haven't been great this season in the secondary. But one thing about Ohio State is up up front, they've gauged good penetration, you know, so that's a big that's a big edge for them. The biggest issue for Ohio State will be the secondary because the secondary has not they I think they kind of regressed a little bit. They got you know, they got seven banks back, but he he hasn't really or excuse me, uh, Sean Wade. Seven Banks hasn't really progressed as much like you'd like to see. Same with Sean Wade, although he was more of a nickel guy last year. So with him playing outside, he's not really succeeding as much. And Clemson has the receivers that can make anyone pay. So that secondary can't give up the big play. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the big passing attack for Clemson downfield, that's just, you know, been, been their M.O. on offense, you know. Um, you know, flipping script to their defense, you know, um, 
Trey Sermon, you know, he just broke the Ohio State record, you know. But, you know, the Clemson defensive line is a different story. You know, the front seven as a whole, you know, they get James Skowski and Tyler Davis back. They didn't uh, – you know, they didn't play uh, – you know they've been they was they were big in the game against Notre Dame the rematch. You know they missed the November game. That was one of two games this year they've given up 400 yards. You know I think so. I think this defense is going to come out with an edge. Yeah, I think both both defenses both teams will be ready. I'm not expecting to really see points get on the board right off the bat. I I I would say maybe a defensive slugfest through the first quarter. I think it's going to take both teams a little bit more. If anything, Ohio State a little bit more to get going. But I think the defensive edge is definitely at Clemson. Uh, but their secondary, I mean, just like we were talking about Ohio State secondary could be uh, a liability. Clemson's could be as well because Ohio State has some really good receivers. Like you said, Chris Olave is going to be back, and that's going to pose problems for the um, Clemson secondary. Yeah, for sure. You know, Ohio State, they need to be better throwing the ball. The last three games, I've really just been carried by the running game, 300 straight games, you know, or three straight games or 300 rushing yards, rather, in fields in this unit. They haven't, you know, been as efficient and effective and, you know, it kind of throws me back to 2016 when Clemson won this game. You know, they held them to zero points. You know, Ohio State was a top-10 rushing attack. The games prior, they really struggled to throw the ball, and it caused their offense just to get stonewalled. And, you know, I feel like we could say, see the same here. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know if we'll see anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I don't see us ha- or see Ohio State having, having that big of an issue. I think if they get blown out, that'll be – any team gets blown out in this in this game. I see that as very unlikely. But if it were to happen, it would have probably happen to Ohio State. I just don't see Clemson getting blown out ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I don't think that's something you'll ever see. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see. At least with Trevor Lawrence at the helm, they will not get blown out. They could lose, but they will not get blown out. All right. Uh, with all that said, you know who who do you have in this game? Do you have Ohio State? Seem to be higher higher on Ohio State than I am. Do you have them winning this game? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have them winning forty eight to forty five. Right. You see, a, you see a shootout here. Okay. Um. You know, like I said, like I touched on the thing in twenty sixteen. I sort of see the same thing. You know, they really they're very reliant on their running game. I think Clemson's gonna have that covered up. They covered it up back in twenty sixteen. You know, I mean, they did struggle a little bit last year. You know, but that sort of has the same feel. Compared to 2016, I think this defense is very motivated. I think, you know, these guys are going to have a plan in place. You know, I have Clemson running away with this one, 38-14. I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain the balance that's really, you know, made them a top-10 offense this season. I can understand that. My, my final note on this ball game is uh, another thing for Ohio State. I know I've touched on Ohio State a lot, but like I said, they're my favorite to win the national championship this year, and it starts with their X-Factor, Justin Fields. I, like I said, I think Justin Fields, I don't want to be doubting him right now. Although he knows he hasn't played the best few games, we all know he hasn't played the best few games. He hears the talk. He knows what's going on. I think Justin Fields is going to come out here and look like an entire, entirely different beast because, I, I mean, Fields is one of those guys. He's neck and neck up there with Lawrence. I mean, in terms of talent, probably not, no. But in terms of, you know, the quarterback prospect, the uh, coming out of high school, uh, who's going to be the first and second pick? It's probably going to be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. This game, I see Justin Fields shutting down all the Trevor talk and showing, hey, I'm I, I need my respect too because that's it's you know he's going to pull LeBron. I want my damn respect too because Trevor gets all the talk. Fields has not been succeeding well. I think he's going to come out, be pissed off, and lead Ohio State to a, a close victory.
Yeah, you know, I can totally understand that. You know, Fields, you know, can't really doubt him. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the nation despite some recent struggles. You know, this is exactly the type of game where he would show up in. But, you know, I think all the factors with the emotion, you know, the potential bad blood between, between the coaches, you know, this is that's usually when Alabama would rise. Well, Alabama and Clemson are in, this, are in the same category. I think Clemson rises here. I think they uh, I think they blow it, blow them out here, you know. I can see it. I can see it happening. I just I, – I don't know if it will. Yeah, I think we're in hand for a, a good game regardless. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. Moving, moving ahead to the Orange Bowl. Um, this is this is an interesting matchup. You know, Texas A&M, they're a little upset themselves that they didn't make the playoffs. Um, do you think they're going to come unleash everything they have against uh, North Carolina? I see them doing the exact opposite of what Georgia did against Texas back in, what, 2018, where everyone said Georgia was unmotivated. I think A&M is going to be the exact opposite. They will be motivated because this is a team that's never been there before. They feel like they were robbed this year. They're not going to have the victim mindset of, oh, we were robbed. They're going to be, oh, we're robbed, so let's go and kick this next team's tail because they, they feel as if they've been wronged. So they're, they've got that chip on their shoulder. UNC doesn't. Yeah, for sure. You know, A&M, they're extremely upset. Kellen Mond himself, you know, he's played a great season, only three interceptions. You know, this offense has really been built about around running the ball, though. They don't exactly have a tough matchup. You know, this great offensive, this offensive line's been great this season. And, you know, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. For a- A&M will be able to? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think A&M, they've, uh, Aeneas Smith and uh, Spiller, they've been really well. They've been really well this year. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk about running the game, they're running the ball. Let's flip over to UNC. Because UNC is – they're looking like a team that wants to run the ball now and make it their identity if we're going to talk about the past Miami game. They, they ran for 500 yards in that one, and they definitely look like they wanted they want to build off of that heavy run performance against Miami and do it on A&M. Yeah, for sure. You know, North Carolina, you know, this is a stellar duo of running backs. You know, Michael Carter, Javante Williams have over 1,100 yards each, 28 touchdowns between them. It's just absurd what they're doing. A little bit, you know, kind of seems like Reggie Bush, Lundell White type of success on the ground. You know, um, you know, A&M, they've been great against the run, though. You know, they're, they're ranked fourth, you know, slowing down this duo is the key to the entire game because UNC, they like to run the ball. They like to get into their RPO game, the play action passing. Mm-hmm. And they, when they do, Sam Howell's hard to stop. Yeah, Sam Sam Howell is one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football, and next year could be a favorite for the Heisman. So I'm and A and M has a pretty decent secondary. I'm looking forward to see how Howell handles the. Uh, once again, you know, co- changing conferences here, uh, they're going to go against one of the best teams that the SEC has to offer, either their second or, or best team or whatnot. So I'm looking forward to see how Howell can do against uh, a pretty good secondary. And a good pass rush against for AM. Yeah, you know, AM, I don't know if I already mentioned they're fourth against the run. You know, the competition hasn't been great, but I th- you know, I think North Carolina can start spark some big plays. You know, they gave up 196 to Auburn. That was probably the best, uh, 196 on the ground, rather. You know, so I don't think North Carolina's gonna you know, have 500 yards like they did against Miami. I do think they're gonna have some big spark plays that allows them to do what they want offensively. I, I absolutely agree. I, I agree. They're not gonna have that major performance like they did, but they'll have those nice chunk plays. Uh, you know, get something going, tempo, and that's where Sam Howell and that UNC offense, you know, Matt Brown, he he succeeds when they go really good tempo. They get they succeed off the chunk plays, and so I think they'll get a few of those against AM, Although I don't know if it's going to be enough to get them to win. Yeah, you know, I think you know because UNC their defense has been a liability this season. They have a tough matchup. You know, I think they're going to try and load the box to try to slow down the run. You know, they're going to make Kellen Mond try to beat him with his arm. You know, and Kellen Mond's angry. You know, he's shown before that he can make it. You know, he can shine against great competition. You know, mm-hmm. this defense isn't you know exactly you know it's average competition. 
you know, so I think we're honestly in for a shootout, you know, despite everything we've heard about A&M's defense, you know, um, I, you know, they're two of the two best offenses they played this year. They gave up, you know, big yards, big points to Alabama and Florida. It was a while ago. But, you know, I think that we're going to see us. I think we're going to see a shootout in this one, honestly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see Mond. Mond is a Mond is a quarterback that you want on your team. He may not be the most talented, but the guy's a leader. He He's well, he's well coached. You know, he's able to be coached. You know, that's like an underrated quality in a quarterback is can he be coached? Can he accept the coaching? And he's made the changes, you know. Jimbo Fisher, he he's a quarterback whisperer in a way, and he's he's transformed Mond a lot more than what a lot of people had expectations for him. Because in his first year, he didn't look good, and I think this year he's wanting to get a New Year's Six win under his belt. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I feel like this game might determine if Mond comes back for a senior season or not. You know, um, I think if they go out and win convincingly, you know, they're gonna be like, you know, we're gonna come back, make a playoff run. You know, if they maybe lose, you know, big time, they're gonna come back and be like, we want redemption. You know. Mm-hmm. If Kellen Mond can return next year, you know, I, I think he will. But, you know, I think North Carolina is going to win this game uh, 34-30. Yeah, um, the talk about Mond, I, I personally see Mond staying. I don't think – I think this year they have enough top quarterbacks. I think Mond would just fall behind everyone and kind of get forgotten about. I personally think it would be smart if Mond were to stay another year, regardless win or lose. But I got A&M in this one. Uh, I'm going to go 38-24. Yeah, you know, I think this is probably going to be the best out of the New Year's Six Bowls, you know. Um, I think we have a good slate of games. I think this is probably going to be the best one down in Miami. Um, which game do you think is the best one? I'm going to go Clemson-Ohio State. That one is going to be one that I'm going to be watching all day or watching, you know, doing a lot of looks on, just paying attention to. That's that's my favorite matchup because, of course, that's my pick for the national championship and going against Clemson. I mean, Clemson's they're always fun to watch in the playoff. So you can't really not watch them, but that's that's my favorite game. Yeah, you know, uh, we'll break down the national championship game when it's, you know, set in stone and before it gets here, but since you dished out yours, I'll go ahead and dish out. You know, I have Clemson winning the national championship. Trevor Lawrence, you know, 34 and 1 as a starter is only losses, but you know, arguably the greatest college team of all time. Okay. You know, I think I think we're going to see Clemson and Alabama again in the national title, and I think that's going to be a shootout, and I, uh, I have Clemson on, t- on top. You know, uh, we'll break it down when it gets here, but, you know, I have Clemson as the national champion. Okay. And you have Ohio State, so. All right. Yeah, so uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, a bit of a long podcast here today. We broke down uh, all the New Year's Six games, a lot of information for you guys to digest. Uh, we think we're in for a great slate of games, and uh, see you in the next episode. Uh, thank you for having, having you on, Rowdy. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Everyone have a good day.